Sup guys, this is Pumlani here. It's Miracle Morning Time and I'm actually concluding my session today. Um, and I just want to talk to you about what I'm working on as I uh, start moving away from the failure that I had. Welcome to the journey from 9 to 5 to entrepreneurship where you'll find all my struggles and all my wins as I set on a journey to become an entrepreneur. My name is Pumlani and I want you to come with me. All right, um, it's time for me to move away from the failure and uh, start a new journey. So, this is what has happened in case you, you didn't know. I mean, when I started the podcast, I promised that I'm going to share all my ups and downs as I'm, as I'm journeying from my 9 to 5 to entrepreneurship. And uh, at this point in time, I have had, um, I've, I've started a, uh, an e-commerce business and recently had um, a failure as the only product that I was selling did not make any money actually it lost me some money if i'm being honest with you so um because of that i stayed away from the podcast for a couple of days for probably like two to three weeks and uh just trying to uh, to move away from that just getting the courage again to go back and and uh, start working doesn't mean that i had actually stopped working at the time but i stopped talking about my journey but i'm back now i mean um, this week has been mostly about me dealing with that particular failure that I had. Um, and today in particular, I think I'm at the point, I'm at a good point or good place where I'm ready to move forward. And as you know, when you start moving forward, the first thing that you usually do is just go back to the drawing board and see what is it that, uh, th that you can now do better and also start working on that, that you can do better. Today, in particular, was about, and I think for the next couple of days, it's about finding new products. I haven't moved away from e-commerce at all, um, but I'm actually trying to find new products that I can sell. Uh, in, the, in the previous podcast that I, that I did, I actually spoke about the fact that when I move forward from here, the, the, the one important thing that I need to find is a product that will basically talk to me as I look at it or as I touch it as I feel it, as I smell it or taste it, whatever it is that, whatever interaction I have with that particular product needs to tell me who is the target market for that product. So today has been largely about that. And here's a thing about, about finding products like that. I mean, it's like finding gold. It is never on the surface. Um, you have to dig a little bit. You have to uh, see past what is obvious, what is obvious in front of your face or what is just in front of you because that which is in front of you could just be the tip of the iceberg and if you dig a little deeper you actually get there so here's what I usually do as I do my research I sell primarily using Facebook ads and if I'm gonna sell something on Facebook I need to find something that's already selling on Facebook I have no interest in creating a new market whatsoever because I think that's the quickest way to lose money so I find exactly what is currently selling and I resell that it's more like uh, if you want to go f uh, fish for, for some fish, you don't go and uh, look for a new lake or a new pond of water where nobody fishes. You find a place where there's plenty of fish and the easiest way to find that is to find people that are busy fishing because that tells you that they've found fish there. So that's exactly what I do. 
I find a stream of, of water that already has fish and I fish from there. Um, so I found a few products right now. However, um, I'm still not convinced that they are talking to me. They're good products. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's it's interesting things. It's things like um, I've found this. In fact, I, that's the one that spoke to me the most. It's a, uh, you know, when you take your car to a garage or to a mechanic, the first thing that they usually do is connect it to this device that connects to their laptop and it uh, that basically does a diagnosis of what's wrong with your with your car. So that product does that, but it's a small wireless device that you plug into your car and it connects to your phone. And basically, your phone tells you what's wrong with your car. It's like a self-diagnosis thing. When you go to the garage, you don't let them do that for you. You actually go there um, and you tell them exactly what's wrong with your car. I mean, it saves you quite a lot of money. How many times do you go to a garage and they tell you something is wrong and you know deep down within your gut that... Uh, that part of the car that they say is wrong is not wrong, or even if it's it's that's the problem. It does not cost as much as they say it it would. So that's that's the one product that has uh, actually spoken to me. But I just want to dig a little deeper. There's a couple of other products like bracelets, like hats, like t-shirts and stuff like that. They didn't really speak to me, but this one in particular, I'm very very interested in exploring it further. So I'll be telling you a bit more about it if if that works out or if it doesn't. So yeah, man, thanks for taking some time and listening to me. Please share this. Talk to me however you want. Cheers, eh? Here's something that I've been thinking about um, for the past, I think, two, three weeks. And um, um, I just wanted to share this with you. Um, it might actually spark some thoughts with you as well. But let's see. Think about, I want you to imagine like a large company, like a Microsoft or an Apple or um, an Uber or a Virgin, whatever it is. I, I just want you to think about a large company, right? I want you to think about the number of roles that exist in that company. Um, CEO, programmer, accountant, uh, doctor, whatever it is, roles that are being performed within that company at that scale. If a company would probably, let's say a company has like 40,000 employees worldwide, how many, of, how many roles exist? 10 people might be performing one role, 100 people might be performing one role. As an example, people in the call center might actually be performing the same role and it's like 50 of them, right? So now you've got like a large company which has um, a number of roles. And if you think about that company a couple of years ago when it was... Uh, much smaller, those jobs, those roles still existed in the company, but they were performed by fewer people, right? And then you rewind again a couple of years back when that particular company was being founded. Um, chances are those same roles were being performed in the company by one or two people, all of those roles in that company. Now, what I'm battling to understand is this, right? How do you as a company that large um, sorry, how do you as a company that is starting out, you are the new guy in the market. How do you perform all of those roles, perform them adequately enough to stay competitive um, and perform them well enough to be able to outperform the big players in the market, yet it's only just you as a solo entrepreneur or it's just a few people in your company? How do you do that at scale? How do you, how do you in fact, at a smaller scale? How, I'm battling to understand in my head right now how I can divide myself into so many roles 
and still remain competitive and still make my mark in the market? What do I actually need to do? Do I forget about all the roles that um, aren't core to the company and just focus on the core uh, deliverables of the company, the core promise of the company, and just basically uh, hire out everything else? But what if I don't afford to hire out everything else? What if I still have to get those things done, but I've got nobody that I can afford to, to pay to do this. Second thing is, now if, for an example, I have, uh, I have um, all of those roles again in the company, in my company, how do I, um, how, how do I make sure that um, as I do them, I don't compromise the quality? And I know you might actually say, you know, find a partner that will work with you in that particular business. What if I don't have a partner? What if I can't find someone that sees the value of my business? But those things still need to be done. Um, I'm just battling with this. It's just a thought. Maybe it's something that's worthwhile thinking about. Maybe it isn't. Just think about it. Hi. Um, I kind of agree with the uh, original thought. I mean, I have also a... Uh an idea that's something that is not original. Um, I, basically an area that I think a lot of people probably should think about is getting organized in your personal space at home in your closets. And I don't know, creating maybe something like a modular closet design that kind of um, keeps everything um, how can I this organized. You know what I mean? And I, I also believe that the original thought I think that you can develop it a little bit more and you can, um, yeah, you know, you can just, you can just grow with it. That's just my thoughts on that. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, Fuel Money. It's the big bleeper here from Down Under. Keeping it real. Um, you've got to keep it small and you've got to do as much as you can yourself. If you can find partners to do the job that you can't do, that's great. If you can't, you've got to stay in areas that you can do adequately. That's the most important part. So you've got to find your profit early. You've got to be able to sell something and get a return that you can keep growing. And as you get your money up to the next level, that's where you hire the person that can't, that does something you can't do. But you've got to be able to maintain that income on the way through. Man, great to hear you back on air. I'm really happy for you. Cheers. It's a very interesting point that uh, uh, Condensation and uh, Joseph both raise. Um, is it data first or is it innovation first? Um, I'm, I'm certainly of the view that you gather your data first before you start innovating, meaning you find your market, you provide a service, you start interacting with them, you ask them questions and you see where the gaps are before you can start innovating and creating new things. And uh, uh, Joseph, by the way, I like your idea around organizing closets. If you ever get to a point where you develop that, my guy, uh, please let me know. Hey, Joseph, thanks, man, for, for that comment. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of, a, of an interesting debate. What do you go for? Do you go for data collection first? 
and uh, then innovating later? Or do you go for innovating before you get the data? And I think that's where the not-so-original thought comes from. You, you sort of go and find a place or if, go and find a market that you can innovate for, provide a service for them, provide, get, to, get to engage with them until you get to a point where you've got the data. Uh, that's enough for you to start innovating for them. But that's just, I think it's an interesting debate. I'd, I'd actually like to engage a bit more about that and find out uh, more about what people think. I absolutely love what the big bleeper said over here. And um, I think it's quite interesting that as an entrepreneur, you are expected, well, maybe you have to do it. It's not necessarily just that you're expected, but you have to do it. You have to sort of pull a rabbit out of your head because you're expected or you're going to attempt to take down an Amazon or um, a Walmart, whatever that big company is that you're competing with with almost no budget um, um, uh, for your company to do the same things. Um, it, it's kind of amazing that we as entrepreneurs actually get to do that. So thank you, uh, the Big Bleeper, for, for your feedback, man.